Is your home or that of an older loved one filled with 50 plus years worth of stuff? This is Kinsley Turnipseed with My Other Mother. We specialize in senior move management, helping seniors transition into their next great adventure. We do this with compassion and dignity by encouraging them to keep the memories and lose the stuff. Right size, downsize, age in place, what will your legacy to your family really be? You can reach us at meetmyothermother.com. Don't you wish you had an extra pair of hands or someone who would tidy up after you? What if someone made your lunch every day? Seniors and caregivers need those things more than anyone. So today, we're talking about finding a helper. I'm Anna Edmonds, and this is Navigating in Reverse, the podcast that's all about and for people caring for their aging parents or other loved ones. Ironically, most caregivers need a caregiver. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. The proof is in how many medical and non-medical in-home care services exist today. So today we're going to be talking to Melissa Sprouse-Brown, who actually authored a book on caregiving and owns a caregiving business, among other things. Melissa, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Can you, real quick before we dive into the subject matter, just give an overview of what all you do in the senior care industry? Because you've been in it for a while, so go at it. I wear so many hats. Right. It's really complicated. Well, so I currently own a home care company called Cora Care in-home care, and that's a non-medical agency where we provide assistance with activities of daily living, such as dressing, bathing, grooming, toileting, uh, light housekeeping, medication reminders, transportation, that sort of thing. I have a lot of years of experience in the world of senior care going all the way back to taking care of my own parents, and that's what led me here. I was so blessed to be born to older parents. <laughs> My father was 55 when I was born, wow. and I'm 53 now, so that oh is my gosh. shocking. That's a daunting thought. <laughs> Can you even imagine what that would be like? Right. Oh, my gosh. So um, I've been around seniors my whole life and okay. just really haven't known any other way to live. In fact, I remember being quite precocious as a child. I was probably seven or eight years old and remember this vividly for some reason. I was was standing in the hallway at my home and I asked my mother, Mama, what's it like to be old? (laughs) (laughs) And she was so calm and she said, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Because we always feel so young. Well, you know, I have carried that, her answer with me my entire life because her answer was, I don't know. I feel the same. Yes. And I feel the same now as I did when I was 20. Yeah, me too. And I just thought, you know what? She's right. I know. And so it's colored my reaction and my, I guess, the way that I approach working with seniors all the time, right? Because they feel the same as we do. Yes, I have a hard time explaining to my kids, I don't know why you don't think I'm cool, because I'm the same age you are. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, I was uh, born to older parents, so I got to experience what it's like to care for an aging loved one earlier than many of my peers. So in my 30s, I had parents with serious issues. I had a mom who had so many health problems Mm. and a father who had dementia. And it it was challenging. It was frustrating. I did not know what to do. And I did it the hard way. 
You know, I'd find things out too late to make yeah. a difference. And One then, frankly, foot in front of the other. Maybe yeah. angry. Right. You know, I'm like, where is the book for this? Where's the guidebook? Where is your magazine for this Thank as a you. caregiver? Right. And so I wrote my own because I thought, surely there's a way to do this better than what I'm doing. And it's amazingly thorough. So tell everybody, what's the name of your book and where can they find it? Oh, well, thank you for the compliment. That's very kind of you. Um, It's called the Caregiver's Training Program, Caring for an Aging Loved One. And so what you need to know to take care of your parents in the golden years. And, you know, if you're looking for the Caregiver's Training Program, it's on Amazon. Certainly you can find it there. Just search for the Caregiver's Training Program or Melissa Sprouse Brown. And that's Melissa Sprouse Brown with an E at the end. Right. Right. Or you can always contact me at our website, which is coracaresc.com. Okay. Well, I was glad to give a plug for that because I didn't have, before I started my own magazine, I didn't have a book. I didn't, nobody taught me how to be a caregiver. So we're going to talk to Cora Care, Melissa, today for All the right. most part. Put okay. On we want to, yes, Cora Care. I am ready. So we want to talk about the fact that seniors and caregivers need help. Being a caregiver is very, very hard. And sometimes we don't have enough arms and legs or brain power to do all the things that we want to do. So from there, I guess we want to talk about in-home care and also the the CNAs and caregivers that are in assisted living or senior care facilities, too. A caregiver is a caregiver, a paid caregiver sure. is. So what are the requirements of being a caregiver? You know, honestly, there aren't any requirements. It depends on the circumstance greatly. Mm -hmm. If you are um, a senior and you're at home and you need a little bit of extra help, you could get your neighbor as a caregiver. You could get a friend from church or from any social circle that you might happen to be in. But if you're looking for someone with experience as a trained caregiver, then there are certainly requirements if someone's got a credential, such as a CNA, which stands for Certified Nursing Assistant, or you often hear HHA for Home Health Aid, or sometimes you even hear MedTech uh, for someone who might be um, qualified to hand out medications. Okay. And so you're going to see a MedTech almost exclusively in a setting like a facility that would be, you know, assisted living, uh, memory care, Skilled, skilled care, that sort of thing. Okay. But you're going to see the home health aide or the CNA in lots of different areas. So home health aide is someone who has knowledge of caregiving but doesn't have a license. Oh, okay. Right? So it's just someone who, who's possibly done it before. Uh, they want to do it, um, but they're non-credentialed. A CNA has had training. Um, they've had a series of classes that they've attended. They've obtained a license, and that license requires maintenance, so you have to renew it every so often, um, every couple of years. Um, and that means that to renew a CNA license, you will have to have a supervisor certify that you're working in the field. Right, that you're actively performing the duties required of a CNA. Otherwise, if you don't have the current experience, they won't let you renew. Okay, well, I guess because I was, when my mom was in care, I was in touch with CNAs all the time. That's who works in those places. And I knew that they had to renew their licenses and their certifications, but I didn't notice that they ever got ongoing training, like formal training, and very few of them had bedside manner training. Uh Oh, dear. What, What say you when I say something like that? 
Training is an issue, and that is something that is up to either the home care agency or a facility to provide. They can choose to do it. They can choose not to do it. But if you are a licensed home care agency or a licensed facility under DHAC, the Department of Health and Environmental Control here in South Carolina, you're required to provide training. You're provided to provide proof that your staff has attended said training. If you do not do that, then you can lose your license. Right. So it could be a matter of that the training is provided electronically, virtually, self-paced online. You may have someone who comes in and gives a a series of talks or classes, um, and there are certain curriculums that have to be provided no matter what. Right. So they should be learning things about fall prevention. Lots of interventions that if especially if you're going to be in a facility um, that you would have to know how to change a bed with a person in it. Sure. Right. One thing I came across was when a person in one of these facilities or anyone has diabetes, you're supposed to check their blood sugar before they eat so that you can monitor what you're eating and how much insulin you're supposed to get if you need insulin at all at that time. And I can't tell you how many times I would come in and my mom had finished lunch already, and that's when they're testing the sugar. I'm like, this is for nothing. This makes no sense to test her right now because her sugar's zooming because she just had a Diet Coke or whatever, you know, French fries, whatever, and that zooms your sugar up immediately. That requires training to understand when and why you're testing this person's sugar, doesn't it? It does, but you made a really interesting point that okay. you may not have known that you just made. Okay. So you were talking about a CNA. This was at a facility, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So at a facility, they would have different abilities to provide things like testing for blood sugar than as an agency owner. My agency is for non-medical in-home care. Right. We cannot test blood sugar. I can I can remind you to do it, and I can right. watch you do it, but right. I can't do it. Because once upon a time, my mother did her own. Right. But in those facilities, they do it for you because right. they don't want all these pinpricks and whatnot. But just the timing of it was so ridiculous. It's like, why are you testing somebody? After, what if she had a bowl of ice cream, and now you're testing her? She's going to be through the roof, well, and you're going to give her too much insulin. Right. Well, one of the things that <laughs> should be happening if you've got a loved one in a facility is yeah. that, and this would be the case also for in-home care, is okay. that a care plan has been developed for your loved one. And so they should know that they're supposed to be testing prior to a meal, right? They should know what your loved one is going to need at any point during the day so that they're delivering the appropriate level of care. If that didn't happen, that's unfortunate. And right. that's probably true more often than not. Yes, that's frightening to me. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, those were the times I saw it happening. How many times did it happen that I didn't see it? Right. So, okay, we won't go down that rabbit trail to, you know, we'll, we'll leave Anna's complaints over here. So what are qualities that people should look for in a caregiver? Compassion, number one. You want someone who cares. They can have all the skill in the world, but if they don't care, I'm not sure I would want them to work for me or for someone that I loved, right? So compassion, patience. These are things that are really super important because particularly with some seniors, they may not know that they've said the same thing over and over again. You may hear the same story about when they walked to school barefoot in the snow uphill five or six times in a row. For five miles. For five miles. That's right. That's right. Uh, My father told me that same story many times. Uh, And then when he had to milk the cow before he went to school, too. And honestly, I'm sure that was true. I mean, my father was born in 1914, so good heavens. Uh, He grew up on a farm. That's, I'm sure, true. But 
you know, you, you've got to be able to deal with what, what they're going to throw at you, and you don't know what that may be. So I'm really always interested in someone who has prior experience and great references because you can have worked in, a, a, you know, the senior care field and not been successful, meaning people don't like you or right. your, your clients are unhappy or not well cared for. And I would not want to put that person with someone that I was responsible for caring for. So right. I would want to check references. I would want to make sure that they're current on things that are needed. For example, you know, you might want to make sure that they've had a recent TB test, right? You don't want to bring in disease, right? You want to do a health screening, make sure this person is healthy. Is that the only thing you would really test for? Is that the, I know when I worked for the school system, I had to take a TB test. TB test is the main, is the main thing. Okay. You know, in the era of COVID, um, that became a requirement. It's sort of gone away, as yeah. did the whole vaccine. Yeah, Are you vaccinated or right. not? Right. Um, that seems to have subsided. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, for me, I'm looking for references, prior experience. Do they have a heart for it? Okay. Another thing that's important to me, I would think, is is someone going to show up on time? Do you know what I mean? That I uh, look at look at Melissa's face. I wish I could take a picture. <laughs> I mean, when when if I'm my mother's caregiver and I've hired somebody to come in so that I can go run my errands or or go somewhere for an hour, that I need that person to be there when I tell them to be there or ask them to be there, correct? You sure do. And that is such a struggle. I am here to tell you that not having staff show up, let alone show up on time, um, has been an ongoing problem for years. For years. And so that's why reference checks, finding someone who is reliable is is difficult, but important. So while you can have a wonderful person say, oh, I'm going to take care of everything for your mom, and they show up an hour late, if at all, that doesn't work. Now, as an agency owner, we have things in place that would stop that happening from saying, okay, well, um, Susie's an hour late to Mrs. Smith, right? Because I will be notified if she has not clocked in from Mrs. Smith's home within 10 minutes of her okay. shift start time okay. or, or, or his start time. Right. So one of the things that has changed a little bit over the evolution of technology and time is that we used to have to require caregivers to clock in from a home phone. They would call into... I do a, remember that, yes. They would yes. call into a system um, that our agency would, would support and it would verify they were at the right place. Well, most people don't have home phones anymore. Right. So they're now, using cell phones. Yeah, they're using cell phones. So now that technology is GPS-based. Yes. So if you are not within, uh, you know, 100 feet of the address that is on file, right. then it's going to tell me you're not where you're supposed to be. You're clocking in at Starbucks down the street. Right, right. Which has been done before. I'm sure. I'm right. sure. right. Well, that's a good place to take a break because I want to dive a little bit deeper into those kinds of issues. So we're going to stop and take a break and we'll be right back with Melissa Sprouse-Brown. Palmetto Commercial Services is an extreme cleaning company focusing on severely hoarded homes and homes identified with health and or safety risks for the occupant. If a home is too cluttered or unsanitary for a caregiver to provide proper service, PCS can help. If DSS has an open case, we can bring the home into compliance to help close the case. We help clean homes with severe pest control issues, nicotine, fire hazards, tripping hazards, and more. Call us today at 803-479-0812.
Most of us want to stay home as we age, but need assistance to do so safely. Carolina Healthcare can help. If you need support because of an injury, a cognitive impairment, or a debilitating diagnosis, Carolina Healthcare will provide a proven caregiver and a care plan tailored to your needs that includes bathing, housekeeping, medication reminders, and more. For over 35 years, Carolina Healthcare has been your award winning premier non medical in home care provider. Find out more at carolinahealthcaresc.com. Okay, we're back. And before we get back to Melissa and the conversation we're having, I think that this is one that most caregivers need to hear about or even seniors themselves. So if you know someone who's a caregiver or you are a caregiver or working with a senior, go ahead and share this podcast. And the best way to do that is to go to our website at reversemagazine.us. So with that said, we're going to get back to our interview with Melissa Sprouse-Brown. So before the break, we were talking about issues with staffing, whether it's with a company like yours or a facility. So how competitive is the job market right now for caregivers? It's insane. Meaning? There are so many openings and so few caregivers that it's almost impossible to staff. It's really difficult. First of all, that's a universal problem Period, no matter what industry you're in. So we we have to acknowledge that. But what's at the core of that, do you think, for for caregivers? What do you think might be one or two core reasons why we can't find these people to come do this job? That's a really tough question. And I would think the answer is going to be different depending on the region that you're in. So in the South, in the South, we were hurt by COVID. Mm -hmm. And that seems to have changed the approach of a lot of people who have been in the caregiving industry, either as an employer or as an employee, as to what it means to work. There are a lot of caregivers who decided that it was no longer profitable to be a caregiver, that you could make just as much staying at home or doing something that was a lot less stressful. So we lost a lot of people that way. The other thing that happened is at the same time, the overall healthcare industry started losing nurses, right? And um, when you're struggling at the higher level of care, it filters down. One of the things that has hurt me as an agency is that there's just so much competition for good staff And it's almost too much for me to be able to afford to pay what it's going to take to take someone from another agency. Because finding a caregiver who's unemployed right now is is fairly difficult um, or who's in the market for a job. Someone who is currently working somewhere obviously has the wherewithal and the desire to, to be working. But if I want that person, I've got to outbid their current pay scale. And I've got to offer a sign-on bonus or find something that's desirable, um, offering a point system where you can earn gift cards for doing things that you would expect to be normal employee things like clocking in and out on time, showing up for work every day. 
So building points by the month, the yes. quarter, and then giving right. them a reward for actually doing their job. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's the, it's the truth. Right. And the thing that is that's really difficult and extremely bothersome to me because I come from an extremely humble background. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here to tell you. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier that I was born to older parents. Right. Well, that meant that my, my parents were retirement age right. when I was uh, in elementary school sure. as, a, as a child. And so I know what it's like to have free lunch at school and my clothes come from the flea market. I mean, it's it's okay. We That's where we were. I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, I'm proud of my upbringing. But I can tell you that when it came time to care for my parents, we didn't have the money. Mm. I mean, just straight up. I mean, my dad did not have— I think a, most people don't. Didn't have a retirement account. Right. He had worked a regular job where there was not a pension or anything like that. My mom had been a homemaker for a number of years, and then she would take in sewing, and she was a very good seamstress. Mm-hmm. Very good. But that doesn't pay very well. Right. The resources weren't there for us, and so— I struggled when I was trying to find someone to care for my own parents with how to pay for it. And so as an agency owner, I know what that struggle is like personally. And so to have a rate of pay that is going to, I'm going to walk into your home and say, okay, I'm going to provide a caregiver to take care of your mom. And it's going to be $22 an hour. Right. And the minimum's four hours. Okay. Well, if I'm charging $22 an hour and I'm paying a caregiver 14 or 15 an hour, my margin is small. Right. Very small. And your liability high. Liability is high. One of the most expensive things that I have to deal with is workers' comp insurance. Sure. That is very high for an agency like mine because the number two job that gets hurt is a CNA, number one's construction worker. Right. So my fee for insurance is astronomical. I can tell you that the insurance rate that I've just paid is sixteen thousand dollars. So there. So you're an independent company. We're an I independent company. I mean, a lot company. of these get bought up by larger corporations or right. franchises. But are there? I think there's several small independent ones like you around. Are there not? Oh, there certainly are. So is there? Do you guys ever talk amongst yourselves and kind of like let's let's do this together and not be a big corporation but still stay small and local? We talk to one another, but it's not. It's not collaborative in that way, right? So, I mean, we're all still competing for clients. So it's extremely competitive. Um, There are networking groups that are super and absolutely helpful um, as a business owner and a way to say, okay, if you get a client that you can't handle for whatever reason, I can refer to you and you can refer to me. And I've referred out to other caregiving companies because I, it wasn't convenient for me or possible for whatever reason. I guess what I'm saying is if I had a company, if you have CoraCare and I had Anna's assistance and that was and I had a company just like yours, I would be brave enough to say, hey, you know what? Let's join these together and make them Betty's bed makers. Is that not a possibility? I guess anything's possible, but you, again, you're dealing with liability from a licensing perspective, from an insurance perspective. Um, there's, um, you know, billing. Uh, there's software. There, there's a lot of moving parts when you run a home care agency. While it may look easy, I promise you it's not. No, I can only imagine what goes on behind the scenes. I'm just thinking of there's so much competition out there. There's so many of these in-home care, non-medical in-home care companies. I mean, every day you see a car 
wrapped or, you know, with the sign on the side that's one of those companies. Right. And I think they're all hurting for employees. So I'm like, well, there's strength in numbers. Let's put the numbers together. I mean, I'm thinking outside the box. I mean, no, everybody wants to run their own company. But you know what? As a small business owner, I'd gladly join up and let somebody run the business. <laughs> well, you know, I made that decision once, too. So uh, back in the day, um, I owned a company called Seniors First Home Care um, okay. that I ran from 2011 mm-hmm. um, until the end of 2016. And I, I loved doing it. Uh-huh. Um, I had the same struggles then as I have now. And the biggest struggle is staffing. But I did it. And I was successful because I hired every day, every day, including Saturday and Sunday, I was in the office trying to hire caregivers to fill the pipeline, to fill right, the void, right. to make sure that we didn't have holes in the schedule. And I I had a mantra. It's pretty sad, but I'm going to tell it to you. Um, when we were running a large schedule with a number of caregivers and a number of clients and someone would call out and it would start a chain reaction. What we would say in the office is that we're pushing back disaster an hour at a time. Oh, gosh. Right? One hour at a time. And so I would fill a hole and I would pull Frida to Dr. Smith and Bertha to Mrs. New. And we would just keep moving and moving until I ran out of holes um, so that everyone was covered that needed to be covered. So from that perspective, it was difficult. I loved doing it. Because I love helping people. It's very important mm-hmm. to me, and it fulfills me greatly sure. to know that I've made a difference for someone, especially in this way. Well, I want you to know you help me a lot, so you're fulfilling that desire. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me happy. So in late 2016, I was approached by a couple who had moved here from Atlanta, and they wanted a large in-home care company. I was a small to medium in-home care company, and I was independent, as mm-hmm. I am now. Well, they decided to make me an offer to purchase my home care, and and they made an offer to a local Bright Star franchise. Right, and that's com- a big franchise. Yeah, they combined the two together okay. to make a larger in-home care. So th- I saw them do that, and then I walked away since I'd sold my company. Okay. So that brings me to another point that y- you're not part of, but again, my mom was in assisted living, mm-hmm. two different places, and I'm not complaining about the places, but we, we, we had her in two different places. And my thing is these corporations, the CEOs are making big bucks. And then they're also, every time a corporation buys one of these smaller facilities, they dress it up, they pour a lot of money into the furniture, and they paint it, and they make it all beautiful. Then they jack the prices up, and the CEO and management's making, you know, lots of money. But the CNAs are making the same amount of money they were before any of that happened. And really, they're the ones that are touching the seniors. The seniors are getting really the least amount, the least bang for their buck, the whole system is upside down. I mean, I can say this because it's my podcast and I don't have really a dog in this fight. But I think the whole industry on the corporate level is upside down. This is a caregiving industry, just like healthcare is the same way. These The insurance companies in these hospital systems cannot be making that kind of money and not give care to the patients and pay the people who are boots on the ground that's why people won't go work for you. Am I right? You know, it's it's a really tough position because, you know, I, as a small business owner, small business owner, I can't pony up this kind of money right. to, to pay, you know, all right, I'm going to pay you $20 an hour right. or, you know, $16 an hour that you can make at Chick-fil-A right. uh, running the drive-thru and have no stress on you other than did I get this person's order right? Right. 
and they come with benefits. And Chick-fil-A is a large corporation right. that can offer you a scholarship to school if right, you so desire. Right. But I can't do that. And so if I were to try to compete at, the, at that level with a higher wage, which I would love to pay, then I've got to increase the revenue. And how do you increase the revenue? You have to go up on what you charge for your services. And as it is, it's very expensive it's, to hire a, a service like yours. It's very, you know, for the average American, it it, it costs. Well, most people are absolutely ill-informed. They have no idea that they think, oh, well, I'm going to have Medicare. Everything's going to be I fine know. and it or will pay for it. Or my insurance will pay for it. Or my insurance yeah. will pay for it. No, it will not. And so what we do is considered custodial care. Custodial care is not a feature of Medicare, right? right? And the only way that you're ever going to get anything out of custodial care from Medicare is if you have a qualifying event um, which means that you've had a hospital stay or something right. like that. You've gone to rehab, and they'll pay for X number of, of right. days, right? It's very, very tiny. Sure. And now there are some different plans. Um, for example, if you have traditional Medicare, that's a no-go, right? But if you have Medicare Advantage, they have added a feature yes. for home care benefits. Right. But it's dependent upon the type of company that you're with um, and and meaning your insurance company because right. they're different flavors of Medicare sure. Advantage plans. And then they only have certain companies that are approved in that circle as providers. So I'm not in the circle. I'm an ind- little tiny independent. Right, right. So you would need somebody like a right at home or right. someone else who has decided to get authorized to provide that care. Sure. I know the VA, the Veterans Administration, they have they, those veterans that need care. They have different levels and they have a whole matrix of how you fit into how much care you can get at home, too. I just got off the phone with them a little while. Not today, but I mean recently. It's fascinating over there. But veterans have more chances of getting help than the average Joe. Yes, but. I mean, there's a huge but at the end of that. So my father served in World War II. He was in the 755th Field Artillery Battalion during World War II. So he was absolutely qualified for some sort of help from Mm -hmm. the VA. Additionally, his income level was low. Right. So had I known that he qualified for pension and aid and attendance from the VA, I would have applied 20 years beforehand. But no one told me. And so when we found out, I was elated that there was a possibility of some help. So I applied as soon as we found out. And it took nine months to get these benefits. And I had to write to Congress twice. I kid you not to try to get help. The woman at the VA who I talked to, she told me the paperwork is horrendous. It's just and it just takes forever to plow through that machine. But when you get through, it's well worth it. When you get through. So I, I can I tell know. you a story. You could die before that. <laughs> you could. I could tell you how we finally received the benefits from my dad. But suffice it to say that we were um, granted our request and he received back pay for the nine months that we had tried to get the benefits. Right. And it was right on time because I promise you we were out of money right. trying to care for him it's with scary. dementia. It's very expensive. Yes. So it, it did come through, but it was a bear to get it. Well, we're going to have representatives from the VA on the podcast. I mean, people need to know about that. I don't know what I'm talking about when you get into that kind of stuff, but I know it's there. So anyways, gosh, we could talk about this stuff all day, all week. So you're coming back to the podcast, I guarantee you, because you have so many uh, – Super. 
you have your hand in so many different parts of this. So this is just our first conversation with Melissa Sprouse-Brown. Tell everybody where can they find you if they want to get in touch with you. Well, our website would certainly be the easiest way. It's coracaresc.com. That's C-O-R-A, care, C-A-R-E-S-C.com. Or you could reach me at our office at 803-791-3800. Again, that's 803-791-3800. Thank you. We'll have you back soon, okay? Thanks. Great pleasure. That wraps up another great episode. Again, go ahead and share the podcast with someone you know. The best place to do that is going to reversemagazine.us. We'll see you next time. The Reverse Podcast is written and produced by the F-Suite LLC. All rights reserved. Our audio engineer is Andrew Hayworth. Thank you for listening. Thank you.